You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends, a Q1 Network production. If you have dreams or you're wondering how to make a bigger impact in this world, you're home. Welcome to Mike Seminary and Friends. I'm Deb, Mike's wife. I suggested this idea as a way to keep him busy and out of my way after he retired. So far, it's working. Thanks for listening. It's time for Mike Seminary and Friends. Welcome to Mike Seminary and Friends, the place where we strive to make a difference, a positive difference, provide you something of value. Heck, from my perspective, we just want to share good stuff. I'm your host, Mike Seminary, and I'm so grateful you've joined us. A big thanks to my friend David Hansen for my theme music, Continental Drift. Search for his work, Serotonin Waters and Moon Dot Soup on iTunes and Spotify. By the way, I appreciate your comments and guest suggestions. Keep them coming at MikeSeminary.com or Mike Seminary and Friends on Facebook. And please visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Today, I'm so delighted to have as my guest an individual that walked away from corporate America to serve young girls that are struggling with self-esteem and mental wellness issues. And as a father of two daughters, I'm really paying attention to what this organization is doing and what Carly is doing. Carly Mock is the Director of Mission Development at BioGirls. Carly, welcome to Mike's Seminary and Friends. It's great to see you. Thank you for time, taking time to join me. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Mike? Thanks for having me. I'm just great. And thanks for asking. I, I, life is, I'm spoiled. Life is so good. I don't know why I, why I even deserve this. But, and I don't, I don't think I do. But thank you for asking. Yes. So I've got some things going through my head. And thank you for sharing information with me earlier today about you and that wonderful presentation that you sent me. And I noticed that we have some real similar kind of connecting points in, in, in our lives, in our walk. I'm always curious about this when I have the opportunity to visit with somebody. And we'll talk about BioGirls specifically in a minute. When you were in corporate America and doing that thing so many of us do, what at that time... Before, before you made the switch, what did you think you really wanted to do? Oh, man. I thought I wanted to uh, climb the ladder and keep getting to the next position, one after another after another, until, you know, you feel like you finally made it and you get to the top and you're bringing people up with you and um, being able to be a leader in that way, um, but also was very driven by ego in that whole process. And so, um, you know, in the middle of it, didn't realize that, um, but it was all um, for the title. I mean, and when, when you're chasing a title, it's typically backed by ego. And so nothing was really heart led or soul led um, with what I was doing, um, not only within work, but outside of the organization even. And so um, I started to lose myself and who my true identity was within it uh, very quickly. 
that can happen. It happened. It, it happened to me for a while. It can happen to a lot of people. It's kind of the way we're brought up to a degree. It's kind of the way society and culture works. It's kind of the way a vast majority, I think, business structures and organizations are set up because they're 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 built on people that can get stuff done and lead people. And at the, at the end of the end of the day, most over over you was saying in the world probably, other than I'll pay you back or circle back, is it's about the bottom line in terms of profitability. And it's easy to get caught up in that if someone internally is feeding our ego, knowing that we're all in. And, and you were all in for a while. Oh, yeah. What happened? I mean, to put it pretty simple is I had a, a an opportunity to course correct my life. And um, that opportunity came with a lot of wounds and a lot of challenges. Uh, but I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 2017. Um, and it sent me, you know, to admission in the hospital for over 30 days. And I was not doing well. Um, I was near death at that point And I uh, had a one year old son at home. And I mean, my life was crashing right before my eyes. And up till that point, I hadn't had too many hardships. And so this was definitely new to our life and our family. Um, and it hit us like a ton of bricks. You know, we we tried every medication there was um, and ultimately had to uh, result in three surgeries that saved my life and I'm super grateful for. Uh, but coming out of something that traumatic and um, life-changing within a snap of a finger really sets you on a new path to rediscover who you were meant to be, what you're meant to be doing, um, and ultimately was looking at my life and in my career and just saying, I just don't feel like I'm, I'm using my potential to its fullest and also when you start to have those moments of getting back to not being driven by ego within corporate America you are not as well received uh, in meetings in uh, the profit and loss conversations all the things um, you are not as well received and uh, promotable at that point sure before we move on I, I don't mean to slam uh, industry of any type. I don't mean to slam corporate America. I get it. I, sometimes that the, the balance probably is more on us than it is the organizations we work for. And then it sometimes it takes this kind of an opportunity where he was kind of getting your attention. By the way, I I've never mentioned this on any of the podcasts. Uh, I have microscopic colitis, so it's you know it's kind of a kindred spirit, not not nearly as. Uh, crippling as what you experience, but I've been medicated for it since 2011, and uh, there there are times life can just be really really challenging when you have things like uh, your whole system disrupting. So I, I get it. So, so you found BioGirl. So first, tell us a little bit about BioGirls because I'll ask a whole bunch of questions about that. How you found it, or I found you maybe, and what you're really doing as director of mission development. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I love that. I, I do think it was just divine intervention that I found BioGirls, but also at the same time, um, this organization had found me at the perfect intersection of, of my life. And um, somebody, a mutual friend, had introduced me to our executive director, Missy Heilman, who started this program, 
you know, just because of the issues she saw her daughters going through at a young age and decided to do something about it. And um, somebody introduced me to her. I had never heard of the organization, um, but we sat down and, of course, as you can tell, I'm an open book. And so I decided to just tell her everything I had just gone through at the time. And uh, lo and behold, her dad had just um, gone through the same issues, almost down to a T. I mean, same surgeries, um, same outcome, everything. Uh, and up until that point, I had not even heard of the disease. And then let alone somebody else that I just met had a direct tie to it. So I knew it was is the big man up there connecting us, and and man, has he taken this uh, just a thousand steps further since then. But uh, I fell in love with the mission. She had such a energy and passion for what she had created, and basically what it is is we help uh, second to sixth grade girls build their self-esteem and mental wellness um, through life skill lessons and mentoring and physical activity. And so um, now more than ever, the girls need us. And so as mission development, my job is to raise awareness, uh, raise funding so that we can continue impacting girls and um, to just reach one more girl, you know, every single day. So uh, that's my goal is to just keep spreading the word of what we're doing, get people involved and and ultimately gain the funding in order to do so. so. I spent some time on your website and then doing some additional research and then I went through your annual reports. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those kind of guys. Yeah, I love it. And a couple things really stuck out to me. And I guess it shouldn't surprise me. If I forget, because I'm old, Carly, remind me to tell you about Father Dennis Shue. Okay. Six out of ten girls. I think it's actually 62% is the percentage on the have some type of struggles with self-esteem and then uh, mental wellness issues. Why is that? Oh, man. Well, the low self-esteem, you know, research is finding that it has a lot to do with, uh, I mean, the increase in it anyway is a lot with social comparison and, um, I mean, heavily tied to social media. Um, So the increase that we're seeing over these last really you know, five years as a whole, um, and especially after COVID, is just continuing to increase. But a lot of times, uh, you know, self-esteem can be such a term that's thrown around all the time. And really what it boils down to is uh, that's meaning that six out of 10 girls are having, are unsatisfied or unhappy with themselves most of the time. And so when you boil it down to how they're feeling about themselves and six out of 10 girls are very unhappy with that, um, that puts into perspective of how they're feeling and which ultimately ties to uh, mental health issues along the way. And so it's a very important um, topic, but also gets brushed over a lot as kind of a um, key word that's just kind of tossed around, you know. I'm going to go back to corporate America. And I suspect this may offend some people. I, I and there's responsibility in the house with parents. There's responsibility in the community. There's responsibility for what you just described in corporate America. And to your point, social media has really put this. Uh, it's like your brain on acid, right? Yep. Between social media the ability to bully people on social media, 
between the type of advertising everyone, but particularly young girls and young boys, are exposed to and what they see, I, I just think there is this cultural expectation that is so distorted that it significantly puts at risk a lot of young girls and boys, but here we're going to talk about girls, especially those that may already be at risk because of something else. Is that, are you seeing that in, in your work? Yeah, I'm seeing it at work. I'm also seeing it in, you know, my kids. I have two boys, but, um, you know, even at the young age that my oldest is, is five, and they're starting to see stuff, uh, you know, at daycare of, of kids being kind of little bullies sometimes. And that seems super young to me um, to be having friendship issues at that age. Uh, and so I, and this is not part of our research, but I would argue, you know, a lot of these um, teachers, moms, myself, parents um, are in that younger demographic or just coming right on the cusp of when social media was introduced to our worlds. And that's becoming an issue with, um, you know, people I'm familiar with, you know, I'm seeing it as my peers are, some of them are struggling. And so then when they're having kids and they already have that kind of, they're, you know, transferring that to them without even knowing that. Um, and so I feel like it's starting younger and younger for both boys and girls to your point. Um, but yeah, it's just a cycle uh, that, you know, I'm unsure how to stop. I, I don't know that anybody knows how to stop unless you just uh, learn how to have the tools to combat some of these things, which we're trying to teach the girls um, that message. So Yeah, that's a genie in the bottle that I don't know that can, we can necessarily put it back in, except organizations like BioGirls can make a difference by having personal contact in community to make a difference. Having real relationships in person. Oh, gosh. You know, teaching them how to have those at a young age and not lose the importance of that uh, in an inclusive environment is just... As we're meeting through something like a Zoom call we've never met before, but it, 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 it's, we're going to help get the message out. Yes. In 1972, I was a senior in high school. This is the father dinner shoe thing you won't have to remember now. <laughs> At that time, there were three TV stations for all practical purposes, uh, then public television. But there was CBS, NBC, ABC. TV started early in the morning, about 5.35, whatever it was. It ended at the night. Yeah, If you went to the TV during the non-regular hours, you saw a test pattern. That, that's what you saw. At that time, when I was in high school, we, we had this thing called Mini Week where we kind of got rid of the curriculum. And it was a student-driven based week where you could have someone teach almost anything that, that you wanted and was appropriate and healthy, yeah. right? Well, Father Dennis Shue had volleyball. He was teaching guys how to play volleyball. Like that takes a lot of work, right? But but it, and it was over two days, which tells you either we were slow learners or we were just having so much fun. The second day, as we come in to the gym, this normally gregarious, full-of-life priest, Father Dennis Shue, has just got this, like, somebody just told him he got a, a week to live kind of look on his face. And we said, Padre, what's up? And he said, I just last night saw this commercial on TV. And I remember, ABC, CBS, NBC, 
if you if you buy all three networks, everybody that's watching TV sees your product. And he talked about how this woman for a JCPenney ad, I think it was, just had bra and panties on. And he's saying, you have no idea what we've just done. And we kind of chuckled, right? You imagine, had he come in and just said, I saw an hour-long Victoria's Secret special last night. How that would have that 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 wouldn't have gone over. They would have shut down that company back then. My point is, is that over time, we have opened up this Pandora's box of what's acceptable. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying what's acceptable. And while we do that, young, vulnerable, sometimes at-risk people, in this case, young girls, are so exposed to stuff they're not ready for, and it's inappropriate to begin with. So I suspect that's one of the other things that is really a challenge for your organizations as you're building relationships, your organization as you're building relationships with uh, your, your clients or girls, right? Yep. Yeah, it's been uh, to that same point. I mean, even when I started mentoring, we have, uh, you know, um, lessons built around body image. And so the lesson from when I first started mentoring a few years ago was, um, well, it was about like magazines. They used to show magazines and have that as a reference as you're at a checkout and you see magazines, you know, this is airbrush. This is not reality. This is what the actual reality is. And so showing them that and now has already shifted to us showing them um, what you're seeing on social media is not real, showing them how easy it is in real life to show them how to, they are changing their bodies. They are, um, you know, blemishes, they're erasing, they're making themselves thinner and showing them that this, this stuff that you are seeing on your feed is not real. And so to compare yourself to something like that is just not even fair. Um, and so our curriculum is changing at a rapid rate, uh, just to stay relevant and, um, have that intended outcome that we have, which is to increase their self-esteem. And so just staying on top of that, we've got a great team here, um, that develops that. And so we're, we're so grateful for that because it's uncharted territory. So this may be a dumb question. Is mentoring part of your responsibilities as director of mission development, or is that in addition to those responsibilities? Yeah, that, um, so this is just volunteer. So when I, um, I still lead a site uh, as a volunteer. And um, so I used to be a mentor, but now I lead a site. And so there's two types of ways to volunteer within the program. Um, it is not on my job description, no. Um, and then we have another team, a programming team that helps uh, bring our program into rural markets and um, helps facilitate that with the volunteers and make sure that it's up to standards and, and that they feel comfortable leading and things like that. So. So Missy Heilman mm -hmm. is the founder and CEO. Is that am I, am I saying that correctly? Yep. And it was started about nine, ten years ago. Yeah, we are in our tenth year of programming right now in in twenty twenty two here. At, at in the beginning, here I am asking you questions about Missy. That's not that's okay. Oh me. gosh, yeah. So in the beginning, this was a real part time kind of thing for Missy because she had a different career. Yep. Yep. She was also in corporate. Uh, and like I said, she, uh, well, she has three girls now, but she had two then um, and just became really sensitive to those messages they were hearing. And um, she went to her church and just gave them the idea of what she had. 
and they basically were like, all right, you can start on Monday. <laughs> so she had to, okay, I guess I'm I'm writing the curriculum. I am getting my friends to come help me facilitate. And uh, yeah, she, I want to say maybe three or four years still just did this on the side and still was working. Um, and then finally kind of gave up that paycheck and, and didn't make one for, for a while. And so, um, but it grew from her one site to now we have over 72 sites across five states. And so oh my it's pretty incredible. Uh, it gives me chills just thinking of, of what she must feel um, every single time we, we gain 40 more girls at a site. Uh, it's just pretty incredible. How many, how many employees part-time or otherwise? Uh, yeah, we've got uh, 10. 10. And then everybody else is a volunteer. Yep. We have almost a thousand volunteers this year. Oh, Wow. So it's a lot to manage. That t- uh, programming team is busy, uh, busy, busy um, to make sure that, uh, you know, they're giving them information that's uh, accurate to our mission and upholds those standards and then also helps them, you know, raise awareness in their small towns. And um, they're with them hand in hand and in, in making sure that uh, they feel comfortable with what they're leading and, and uphold that mission. So. At the present time, most of the activity is in North Dakota, Minnesota, and and I know you're in, I think, South Dakota and Iowa? Yep, right? and then Wisconsin as well. Yeah, very Wisconsin. much uh, majority is in that uh, North Dakota and then western part of Minnesota. Uh, so this year we have already, we're impacting, um, for 2022, we'll have more girls in North Dakota impacted than we did in all five states just last year. And so our growth is going at a rapid rate, which is great. I mean, people are finally understanding uh, the importance of these issues and to be one of the only programs that's on that preventative measure um, to get these girls the tools uh, before we get to these um, hard-hitting issues is so important and people are finally kind of understanding that it's not just a nice-to-have fun program. It's it's purposeful and it's uh, a needed program. What's the age spread of the majority of the girls in the program that are being mentored? Yep. So we uh, focus on second to sixth grade right now. Um, And so the intention of that is uh, research shows that girls' self-esteem is highest at third grade and then plummets by sixth. So getting them in that range um, in that really transformative time before they get to those really hard, hard years to give them the tools to combat those pressures that they'll um, come into contact with is what our goal is. And to get that inner voice to stay one of a positive one uh, before the the self-esteem issues really arise. So 62%, let's just make it easier. So let's just use 60%. 60% of girls uh, have, or at least are at risk of having self-esteem, or mental uh, wellness issues. And I think it actually on the website or in the annual report says they do. That That's the number. Reported, yeah, 6 out of 10. So if second to sixth graders, I'm going to do rough math. North Dakota has a, about 775,000 people. I'm going to say there's probably 30 to 50, 55,000 girls in that age group. It, it it may be more. I don't think it would be much less, to be honest with you. 
So let's just run, let's go in the middle. Let's say it's 40,000. That means there are 24,000 girls in North Dakota that could be potential clients because they're already at risk. Yep, absolutely. And I'm glad you're good with math because it's not my strong suit. So, <laughs> so, and you're probably reaching 10 to 20% of them, maybe. Yeah, so just last year, um, so our big strategic goal, I mean, we went through a, a big strategic plan this last year for our um, this year and then two years more, so a three-year plan. Uh, and our goal over that time is to impact one in seven North Dakota girls. And so we decided that to have community-level, state-level change in health and mental wellness we really want to focus on our state and then be able to roll that out into the others. And so right now, as of 2021, we are impacting one in 25 girls in North Dakota. Um, and so we're well on our way um, to our goal just this first year of, of the markers that we're trying to hit. I, I apologize up front for, for this because I should have looked at this before we started. You're, so you're in Fargo. You're in Bismarck. Are you in Grand Forks? Yep. Williston? Uh, we are trying to be. Uh, Dickinson? Trying to be. In the oil patch, are you in? We're in Watford City and Minot, uh, Beulah, um, some areas like that. Surprisingly, we just haven't had uh, Dickinson or Williston, but we are, uh, we've always been organic growth, and so it's been word of mouth. Uh, and up until this year when we did kind of target that one in six girls, um, we decided that we're going to target these cities such as Williston, Dickinson, um, Valley City, Devil's Lake, where we don't have programming and that have opportunity for growth and and also um, girls that need to be impacted. And so mm -hmm. uh, working to, to get some volunteers to kind of raise their hand and, and be that lead. I was going to ask later, but, but you teed it up. For all those people that are in those geographical areas, where you don't have a presence, North Dakota or Minnesota, South Dakota, but, but right now we're going to focus on North Dakota. Do you want them to go to biogirls.org? Yes. And then there's a get involved link there um, where you can also, you can sign up for a virtual lunch and learn, which we just had one today. Uh, but we do that on a monthly basis where anybody can register, get on kind of a live um, lunch, you know, with our uh, programs team and understand what our mission is, how they can get involved as a mentor, how they can get involved to be that leader to bring it to a new area. Um, and, and then also if they, you know, if they want more information before that, there's an opportunity to do that there as well. B-I-O-G-I-R-L-S dot org, biogirls.org. And here's why that's so important. And I'm, I'll let you dig into it. I'll just kind of open it up a little bit. If you're a young girl that is experiencing self-esteem or mental wellness issues. And that's e that can be very easy. And sometimes we don't notice it, by the way. Here's how they can be at risk. They are 70%. If, if you have good self-esteem, if you have a good household, if you don't have the mental wellness issues, you're 75% less likely to have uh, promiscuity, behavior problems, 
um, where you're self-harming yourself or developing eating disorders. All three of those are significant in that population when they're at risk, yep. right? 100%. Yep. You nailed it. Who comes to you since it's so organic? Is I'm assuming it's not the young girl. Is it parents that come to you and say, what can I do? I need help or how can I participate? Yep. It's a lot of times it's parents. It's, uh, you know, siblings of somebody uh, that leads a site or is a mentor in another city and they want to learn about how they can bring it to Dickinson, let's just say. Um, and so it's oftentimes a parent of, of a girl um, that says, I want to learn more about how we can get this started here, uh, but not always. Um, it's just those strong leaders in the community that uh, want to empower that next generation to, to help alleviate these issues and have a healthier community um, for the years to come. And so it's, it's really all over the board, but a lot of them are parents. Yep. Are you, after watching the video, maybe this is a real dumb question. Are you personally making very many presentations publicly to, you know, preach the message of bio girls? I am solid at doing these things. Uh, I love to just have conversation. I am not your, uh, you know, PowerPoint guru by any means. I do them often um, when it comes to uh, conversations with funding and things like that. Um, but Missy is our guru of all things uh, presenting, and she is talking way more often in front of crowds and um, service groups and um, anybody that will listen, really, uh to the importance of our message and our mission and how they can get involved. So yeah, she's doing that a lot. Okay. Now wait just a minute. I, I watched you today and I said to myself, this is a really talented person. Pause. When did you start singing? Oh man, I've been singing since I was a little kid. I just have always uh, been a singer. Never, um, never trained singer, never really in the choir or in a band or anything like that. Just, I learned from Shania Twain. Do you ever sing publicly? Yeah, I used to. Um, well, Where? back in my uh, 20s, I used to do quite a few karaoke contests and um, had some friends that were in bands that I used to sing some acoustic stuff. So you sang in front of people? Yeah. Well, it's the same thing. Car it's just, it is the exact same thing, Carly. Still made me nervous to do it. Just pretend there's a microphone in front of you <laughs> and go on pitch. I know. You're right. You are so right. Thanks for the pep talk. <laughs> I, I struggle with this responsibility that we have. Again, going back to all the ways young girls are exposed. Social media, TV, it goes on and on and on. That also provides opportunities for kids to bully over self-image. And somewhere, because I, 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 I think you said this in what I watched today, that you're giving back to my community. It's hard to have a healthy, vibrant, attractive, this is where people want to come to, or this is where people want to stay kind of community. If we're not dealing with these issues at the earliest ages for our most precious citizens, our, our young girls, we we, we got to find a better way to, to help. What are some ways that we can help 
Carly? With just our mission, you mean? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, any any chances to get in front of those groups like we just talked about, you know, if there's different service groups, um, you know, like speaking at Alliance Club on Friday, you know, things like that where we can get involved in the community, um, spread our awareness and the mission, whether that's in your workplace. Um, sometimes there's opportunities there where we can come talk to people, um, you know, that have volunteer hours to give as an organization. Um, we have opportunities there, you know, with our events and things like that. But um, I would say just digging into what we're doing, um, being an advocate for us. We have plenty of committees to be involved in, um, whether you are a marketing guru or you are a teacher or a pediatrician that wants to be on our um, program advisory committee to help us develop and um, maintain our curriculum. Um, you know, we have so many different opportunities to dig in and get involved in ways that you have talents that you might not realize could be useful. Um, we will find a spot for you. I mentioned this book when I interviewed a fellow about three weeks ago. It's called The Deepest Well. It's written by Dr. Nadine Burke Harris. And it's uh, on the cover, it says, Healing the Long-Term Effects of Childhood Adversity. And th this is, she, she talks about ACEs adverse childhood experiences. And there's a list of them, like 10. And, I, and it's been so long since I read the book, I'm, I'm going to mess this up. But if you have three or four of those in your life, the odds of you not being significantly impacted in a ne negative way, pretty pretty low. It, it's, it's going to be challenging. Self-esteem and mental wellness issues for a young girl that's being exposed to the things that we've just discussed, that's exactly what that is. That's an adverse childhood experience. And it can have long-term, sometimes permanent impact on a person. That's why what you're doing is so critically important. By the way, I'd encourage you to read that book. Yeah, I wrote it down. Thank you. It's a wonderful book. She just, she was the... I'm going to mess this up too. Just recently, she retired as the chief health officer for the state of California. She was in private practice before that, but it's 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 a good book. Yeah, that's great. I'll have to check check that out for sure. How have you changed since you had the health scare? Walked away from corporate America, started healing became involved in BioGirls. How have you changed, Carly? Oh, my gosh, tremendously. Uh, you know, it's a mixture of changed, but then also um, course correcting back to who I really am. Uh, and so throughout different experiences and um, goals you have in your young career, you can often lose um, the gifts that you were given uh, through that. And so I feel like it's given me a chance to revisit those and refine those, um, to, in a way that I've never, I've never reached before. Um, it's really grown my faith and, uh, you know, cast fear aside pretty much in everything. I, it's very freeing. I feel like, uh, ever since I came out of that, um, challenge a few years back, it just was maybe the most freeing thing for me. I, I don't think I, fear many things anymore. Um, 
which is great. It gives me a new sense of life and purpose and uh, I feel very fulfilled in what I'm doing. And so it's changed me a lot. Were you a faith-filled person while you were in corporate America? Oh, I was not being a good follower whatsoever. No. Uh, I mean, I grew up going to church my entire life. Uh, does that make me a, a faith-filled person? Absolutely not. I'm I'm no. learning that as I'm becoming a very faith-filled filled person that um, <clears throat> just because you go to church every week uh, doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. And so, uh, yeah, I've learned that over the last few years. It was the health scare that helped you realize um, somebody's getting my attention here? Yeah, I remember praying fiercely that if he would just get me through it, that I would dedicate my life to, to serving others and, and getting back to what I was made to do. So This might be easy. This is one of the two questions I told you. I don't really have scripted questions, but I ask almost everybody two. Sometimes we run out of time. I only have one. But here's the first one. You have a magic wand, and you have the ability to wave it over the heads of young girls, these second to sixth grade girls that are struggling with self-esteem issues. What's the one thing you want them to know? I would say I would love them to know that they were made on purpose. Um, for a purpose that is unique to their own uh, and don't conform to what you think you're supposed to be like and stay true to who you are. Uh, I think as a child, I was a talkative human being and was often told to quiet down or dim that fire and that energy. And uh, over years and years and years of being told to stop talking, stop socializing, stop that is my gift. <laughs> I feel like that is my gift to um, be relatable, to make connections, um, to be empathetic, to be there for others. And so I, I just, I just wish they would just stay true to who they are and understand that they were made for a purpose. Mm. Again, what's their purpose? Well, they all have to find their purpose. <laughs> I would say that everybody has a unique uh, purpose in this life, and it doesn't have to be big and audacious and in your face. It's just uh, finding what you're passionate about and what you're really good at doing and, and being more than doing um, is what I feel like we can all find our, our purpose through. I think there's a, an important message in there. It's very, very powerful. I'm going to say it a different way. Uh, Ethel Waters was this incredible vocalist, and she originated the quote, I am somebody because God don't make no junk. <laughs> and, that. and that was in a song that she, she sang. And she was also a faithful purpose a person. She talked about the psalmist proclaimed the wonder of being God's unique and treasured creation. You are, what you just said, you are a treasured creation, and he don't make no junk. Same magic wand. Now you're going to wave it over the heads of loved ones, maybe family members, immediately, maybe a neighbor. But people that have 
these precious children in their community, in their home, in their neighborhood that are struggling with this? What's the one thing you want them to know? I think everything comes down to uh, love and just showing them uh, that they are loved and loving people, loving God and loving people. It's pretty simple. I feel like uh, if you can have that as a foundation for the way that you're raising your kids and, um, and we don't always get it right, but just uh, having that as a foundation of, of they, they know that you love them and showing them, um, telling them, uh, will help them feel loved, feel worthy. Um, I just think that's an easy way we can all make a difference in our household. Biogirls.org. Biogirls is serving young girls in over 70 communities, I think you said. Thousands of girls. Thou- over a thousand volunteers. Only 10 part-time or full-time employees. That's not very many considering the number of people being served in a number of communities, and the footprint is growing. Obviously, you're a nonprofit. You depend on corporate sponsors. You depend, back to corporate America, they, they need your help, right? And um, you need donations from everybody. So there's a way to donate when you go to the website as well. How do you interact with uh, giving hearts. Yeah, uh, we just had that last week. It was um, absolutely incredible, incredible. Um, like I said, on the relational thing, that is my bread and butter. And it's ever since I was uh, hired on in the middle of a pandemic in 2020, uh, I have spent every single day gaining connections and relationships with individuals, with business owners, with um people are in corporate America uh, to support us um, and mainly just to gain awareness and their understanding of the importance of what we're doing. And this Giving Hearts Day uh, brought me to tears and just how many of those people, um, no connection is a bad connection. And to see names of people I had coffee with earlier that week come through as, as a, a giving heart um, was incredible. Uh, our goal was to raise $50,000 and we over doubled that. And so it was uh, a goosebumpy, tearful uh, day, and um, we're still in in that just disbelief of uh, the amount of of generosity we received. So it's it's just an incredible community to be a part of. You started during pandemic. Has the majority of your work been done just like what we're doing right now? Have almost. Yeah, 60-70% by Zoom calls or something? 85% has been just me getting to know people and um, most of the time it it, uh, is me telling way too much information about myself but I got to tell you I've had the most incredible um, connections I actually did a uh, flow chart recently of the purpose of what my challenge with ulcerative colitis and how many people came through from that purpose. And it was over 225 people I would have never met, would have never had um, the the privilege of getting to know had I not gone through that. And that includes my son who we adopted in the middle of the pandemic as well. And so 
um, the amount of beauty that has come from a giant wound is is incredible. Thanks again for sharing that video. That I'm assuming that's out there for public consumption somewhere. Um, I think it is private from the chamber. They got that thing on lockdown. Oh, they do. Okay, I won't say anything. I won't say anything else because it was. I think it's just you have to be share the share the link. I think you can't find it on YouTube, but you just have to share the link. It's, it's yep. powerful. Here's a big question: Where do you think Bio Girls would be? Will be five years from now. Oh, man. Well, if everything goes according to our um, prayer circles, we have prayer circles in our uh, printer area where we have um, our big goals and our big dreams uh, that we all kind of walk through and, and circle every day. And uh, we would like to have a building here in Fargo um, where we're running program programming year round and we're not at the uh, liberty of other people's facilities, um, you know, with just 16 sites in Fargo. It's getting tough to find locations to host 40 girls and 12 adults. Um, and so we want to be um, hosting camps. We want to be a safe place for girls to come when they have nowhere else to go. Uh, running our programs year-round, like I said, we've got options for the winter of yoga and um, cross-training. And we're doing uh, piloting a cheer um, program and self-defense. And so... We're expanding to be even more inclusive and widen that network. Um, it's just a safe place for girls to come. And the more they can hear these messages, the better. We want them to do it three times a year. The more we can drill these positive messages to change that inner voice, the better. And so that is our ultimate goal. And I have no doubt we'll be there. So, I was in public policy, politics for 10 years. In some ways, I guess I still am because I'm on some boards that serve the governor in the state. And I used to say that one of our biggest, if not the most important responsibility as leaders is, to, whether you're an elected or otherwise, is to use our resources in a prudent way that will create an environment that is attractive for people, particularly young people, to either stay or to come back. Because just like the prodigal son, we, we, we need to have people leave to go to other places and come back with new experiences that create new opportunities. And typically when we'd have conversations about what I thought in a different settings, we'd talk about education and if you did that well, by the way, everything else works its way out, right? If we talk about education, we talk the importance about infrastructure, particularly water, about health care. And if you have all those things, you have great opportunity. However, if while we're focusing on all of that kind of external stuff and not paying better attention to where we have young, vulnerable kids, in this case, girls, that are exposed. And sometimes it's hard to pay attention all the time because now they've got their iPhone or their whatever gadget they have with them all the time. If we're not paying attention to the messaging that they're being exposed to, we have a greater population at greater risk. 
So I think BioGirls, Carly, and Missy and the whole team, you're doing a big, big thing that's really, really important. And if if we do that well, we support BioGirls well, we'll have a lot healthier communities where people want to play and stay and be productive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, what else do we need to know, Carly? Well, I think um, the only thing I kind of wanted to leave you with, too, is is a lot of times we are asked, you know, and we've mentioned it a few times in this case, we're talking about girls. But the reason behind that um, is because girls are reporting double the rate of mental health issues um, in comparison to boys. Now, there is still a staggering number with the boys uh, that are reporting. And specifically in North Dakota, there is a North Dakota Youth Risk Survey that goes out every other year. Um, and every single marker was double uh, from females to males coming back. And they survey middle school and high school kids um, on mental health markers. And 75% of middle school and high school girls are struggling with their mental health. And one in seven of them has attempted suicide. Now, that was in 2019. And that's just in North Dakota. Uh, and so that's pre-pandemic. Uh, those numbers should be coming out here soon from the survey of 2021, and I am nervous to see those numbers, um, as I would assume they are skyrocketing. Uh, but it's it's the reality, it's um, it's the heartbreaking reality of, of what we're dealing with, and if we don't step in and get these programs in crucial areas uh, to get in front of these girls, it's, it's gonna be a downward spiral. The Director of Mission Development and a mentor at BioGirls, and that's at BioGirls.org, Carly Mock. Any other ways people can get a hold of you, or is that it? That's the best place, BioGirls.org. Yep, absolutely, we, and on social media, of course. So We don't need to let anybody, We don't. You, there's nothing else you want people to know right now? We're, we're, we covered it all, did we? Yeah, I think uh, just one of the best gifts we can give our girls is to just have that strong sense of themselves and, not wish there's somebody else. And that's an, uh, you know, something that our research has proven to increase um, for our girls. So we'd love for you to be a part of it. Well, Carly, if somebody can sing karaoke, <laughs> you can go anywhere and make a wonderful presentation. I saw it today. You were very convincing, very polished, very good. Maybe you and Missy should team up to a tag team thing and take it on the road. Oh, I love it. Carly, thank you so much for joining me. By the way, thank you for what you're doing. It's important as a father of two daughters. And I've seen stuff. Thank you so much. God bless you and your organization. You're doing wonderful work. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us today. You are profoundly appreciated. Where would I be without the team at Q1 Network? Anna DeVere, Ashley Harris, Bo Hastings, and Marlo Anderson. And my wife, Deb. Deb really orchestrates all of this for me. 
I have an incredible wife, partner, and friend. Thanks again for listening to Mike's Seminary and Friends. Until we chat again, love y'all.